0: everyone, and welcome to another. I, we were talking about if we we're in numbers or not. We're just gonna say another today. Another episode of the original marketing podcast. Technically number four, though. Technically number four. <laughs> it's a fourth episode. If we do them in order, should we do more? I feel uh, like we'll see. We, people should see how much worse we get. No, how much better we can get over
1: time. Yeah, we got pretty tan last week, though. So yeah, good thing look- it's not on video, or else they would definitely know it's out of order. You look noticeably tanner. Yeah, we both went down to Mexico for two different reasons. Yeah, I feel like I was doing the corporate version, and you were doing the vacation version. The surfing and eating <laughs> version.
0: It was the best food you had. Um,
1: I had a sea bass, where the cool thing about it was I usually don't like the skin on fish. Okay. But when they served it, it was half a fish, so pretty much like a full filet, half right. a fish, and the skin was up. And he's like, you have to eat the skin. It's the best part. They like torched it. They seasoned it. It was very crispy. Mm. They turned my least favorite part of fish into my favorite part of fish. And really? so to me, that was, it was special. You ever suck the eyes out of a fish? I, I did not thing. eat the eyes. Yeah, yeah that's um, a
0: thing though. I just, I was watching Alone. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. No. Big fan. They like drop them off in like Vancouver Island. But then this one guy gets super hungry and he sucks the eyes out of the fish. I was tempted. I got lobster in like the
1: lobster town, and the eyeball was there. I didn't eat it, but I did eat a grasshopper from a street vendor.
0: I had a grasshopper too. It was at this restaurant called Pino Till. I'm forgetting. I was on. I was on Twitter. They announced Top 75 restaurants Mm -hmm. in the world. I booked the reservation that night. I think it got sold out. Amazing food, like tasting menu in Mexico, and they put the grasshoppers from Oaxaca on the menu, but they like okay. integrated it. Mexican culinary
1: scene is phenomenal. Yeah, I had some hawk and cheese on a shrimp taco. You it was it. insane. Amazing, right? It was insane. It's
0: Puerto Puerto Nuevo is the one that you that's the a lobster, lobster town. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So we just got like I got two lobsters with tortillas and beans and rice. Con
0: todo. Not sure. Yeah. With everything. Yeah. <laughs> My um, buddy was fluent in Spanish, so, so just... I didn't say a thing the whole trip. I love it. My wife was there and then she just kind of like sometimes like because she she speaks perfect spanish mm-hmm. and she's from costa rica but won't always like she speaks she her default is english and so i'll just be trying to speak spanish and she's talking english and then if it gets bad enough she'll just step in and the person's looking at me like really dude like <laughs> why, why did you try yeah, yeah we could have just got to this in the i beginning. think it's respectful to try yeah, yeah i'm always i want to work i feel like if i had a good three weeks in mexico i'd be like pretty full yeah, I went for like un
1: asada taco. There you okay? Oh, gracias. Gracias. Yeah, like I, I still attempt it, but we're pulling up to like the guard gates at restaurants, and he's talking about the reservation and how many it's for and what time. And the guard guys are just like blown away by his Spanish because he grew up in Ecuador, but he is Riley. Like Spanish. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: so he just ultra white dude speaks perfect <laughs> Spanish. Yeah, I love it. So it was pretty fun dude that's epic yeah that's cool so as you were in mexico did you ever have like a mosquito problems where you thought wow i wish there was leggings for this no but i did get them on my hands i still got some bites on my hands mosquitoes
1: love me wow do you were ever on tiktok and saw leggings and no but i I see the transition oh yeah i'm I'm
0: doing a transition for all of our listeners
1: advertising jealousy yeah let's let's talk about some
0: ads Is there any ads that maybe inspired you recently, Brady?
1: So I wouldn't even say it's recent, but just thinking about this segment, Advertising Jealousy, I'm going to say the TikTok leggings, which I know nothing about. I still don't. Which I'm surprised
0: because you have the internet. Yeah. In the pre-show, I was supposed to know this, but I do not know this. So maybe explain it to me and the audience. I'll I'll
1: explain it to you and maybe a couple people out there. Um, But the TikTok leggings, it was like a viral thing on TikTok where I don't even have a TikTok. So it made it over to Instagram. And it's essentially these leggings that are cutting away in the material where it makes your ass look big. That's all it is. So how did you find out about this, Brady? My algorithm was, <laughs> was, hacked. Yeah, it was hacked. It's all been reset now. Yeah, they, what the heck? You know, I, I went in the right-hand corner. I said not interested on every single one. I'm clean now. It's all just dogs. <laughs> you went and, through a phase. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was there. It was there. It was tough to hide. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it just viral. So, all these videos of the TikTok leggings, the TikTok leggings to the point where it became a product. Like, people
0: wanted to buy them. They searched TikTok Wait, leggings. time out. So I, okay, I get what you're saying. But how – who was making the – like, how – so, yeah, that's – So, guess. it was, it was like it started
1: with influencers. And so, the reason why I picked it is okay. because it was a controlled viral product because there's two guys who made it. Okay, and so it was all planned. The OG
0: TikTok, before it be, so they essentially made a product that makes your butt look nice. Yes. How does it make your butt look nice? Does it have like, lines? Is it visible or is it still like all black? So they have like
1: it? a, I don't know if it's because of like there's a diamond pattern and I think all of
0: that is like an elastic
1: material. Understood. So it just hugs your body. Okay, so
0: it, it, it has it, but it is a fundamentally different legging than a Viori or a
1: Lululemon. No. So I think it's the coloring of it and then getting into the physics of the
0: product. I do think it, it hugs the undercarriage of your butt and maybe lifts it a little bit. And then bit. they may or may not have, when launching the campaign, chosen women who have big butts regardless. And yeah, then and it's
1: all about the angles. Correct. Like, okay. You can watch videos on how to make your butt look bigger oh, that's thing? in a photo. It's all angles. I think for guys to make your bicep look bigger, you kind of stand closer to the camera. And I mean, I can stand right up at the camera and you can't couldn't tell anything. I've tried it, but. There's really? all these poses. Okay, so there's dude. there's it's like crazy. a whole okay there's a whole industry that we don't know about. Yeah, there's ways up. to pose to look different ways. You've seen like the Instagram versus reality stuff, where it's like celebrities, it's like their edited photo versus like correct. Top yeah, yeah, ones. like they never yeah. have
0: like I can't get rid of my belly fat, and they never have it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I got you. But anyway, the reason why I like this is because you know I knew the TikTok leggings were big, Kay. and I knew it was a product being sold. Kay. But I looked into it, and it was all controlled. And so these two guys had a full advertising plan. They reached out to five influencers to start. They had a strategy on Google. They had a strategy on obviously TikTok, Facebook. Do you think they Instagram. had a strategy
0: before? Or do you think they created a strategy afterwards
1: once it worked? No, they created the product and then shipped it to start. Yeah. So yeah. They, they're the first ones. I'm sure like everyone makes these now. And right. so if you go on Amazon, it's like all these different vendors. But they made, I have it in my notes. They made over $2 million in profit in the first two months. What are they calling this? Because they can't call them TikTok leggings. They? So that's kind of the title. How I even researched it was like TikTok leggings. And there was all these stories about these two guys who were social media marketers who just had this idea on, you know, because you know how people always say, oh, you can't control viral. Like viral just Correct. happens. Yeah. They did it.
0: Well, I mean, they planned it out. Sex works. If we're being honest, that's, like I Kim mean, K yeah. and Ray J, I just found out apparently planned that whole thing. Did you know that? I did not know that. But essentially, it's the same playbook to a certain extent of like sex but it has no startup cost right so essentially they could just make five versions of the product Mm -hmm. or like five the product five times like one version give it to five people if each of them has like millions of followers and they post it then i guess you could just have some how do they ramp production
1: it didn't get into that but it, it went into like even their pricing and so they landed on buy one, get one free for 34 99 And so they did like a handful of pricing tests initially. It was just cool because it was just a couple marketers. Just two marketers. Just two marketers. It wasn't anyone getting lucky. Like they totally planned it. The leggings were probably super cheap to produce. In terms yeah. of like the manufacturing, yeah. it's one of those things where I'm sure they could like get ahead on orders and right. just get more made. Yeah. I mean, I think this was pre-supply chain issues. Yeah. So I think even today, maybe it could get out of hand. But I just I thought it was really cool how controlled it was, and I didn't know that. I thought it just kind of happened on TikTok first, and then these people started making the leggings. And- so,
0: in their strategy, what, what, how, why did it go viral with those five influencers? Because you could theoretically create the same product, send it to five influencers, and it failed. Was it because they already had deep relationships with these influencers? It was due to their expertise in the industry. Like, why do you think virality occurred? Because you're right. Yeah, like, people say. Oh, I'm going to make something go viral. I mean, you could even bring up uh, Mr. Misogynistic, Andrew Tate. He all talks about how he controlled everything, and Mm -hmm. I went viral, and I and and in his defense, he did, I guess. I can't not see him, it appears. So it does seem like there is this way to game the game, and some people do it. Now, I found the people who do it traditionally are saying what you're not allowed to say, and that's kind of how they game it. In this case, the booty that you're not allowed to booty i guess i don't know like it's butt ads so i feel like that's a this, do you feel like that it's cheating because they're selling how your butt looks bigger and like could we recreate this differently
1: yeah I, I think a lot of it is because it's a product worn by the influencers i think a lot of like controlled viral going wrong is like when you and i make a video or an ad and we try to make it go viral and then that one video has to go viral Versus this, what went viral was women buying these leggings and posting it online. And I think maybe one thing that they didn't plan that I'm not sure how often it happens, but I'm curious because the influencers first posted it and then likely other like workout influencers who felt comfortable posting photos like that bought them for their own content. What I'm curious about is how many people bought the leggings just to wear them in the privacy of their own homes, just to look in the mirror with them on because they're not that expensive you have a crazy mind brady they're seeing I it all online I, I bet people did it like there's so many people like i don't know anyone do people buy clothes just for themselves maybe i'm not a huge it's shopper. just one of those things where i think it could have been the case where, like, I don't know anyone in Does my personal... Does your butt look that good when you put these on? I'd have to go back to the videos, <laughs> but I haven't tried them myself. Yeah, 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 of course. But it's got to be one of those things where there's... Because I don't know anyone in my personal network where they posted TikTok leggings on their Instagram. That's just not how they do their social, I'm social media. I'm pulling these up right now. I want to see what you're talking about. And so there's, there's a market who's willing to post about it, right? So they buy it. They put them on. They do their angles. They post it. They get their likes but it seemed like one of those products where I bet there are people who bought it just to see if their butt looks the same
0: as okay, they so see
1: I'm... online and whether they keep them or throw them away. I don't know, but I they're at that price point where the before I, and yeah,
0: afters are wild on this. They work. Yeah.
1: No, it's a crazy product. Yeah. I was just, it, I thought it was so cool that they planned it all and rolled it out this way, and it just came across. If
0: we're not selling, but not if we're not selling butt leggings, though. How do we? Re- is there any like things we could apply to our? You know what I'm saying? Because like yeah, I feel like it's, it's easy for like Kim to... K to go viral if she does a sex tape. It's easy for butt leggings to go viral if it's like flat butt, not flat butt. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, no. It reminds me of like the Power Balance bands. I don't know if you remember those from. High I know, school. but I can't go RLSAs, no RLSAs, and yeah. then like it goes viral. You know what I mean? I can't be like direct attribute like you You can't be like no attribution or like nothing goes viral like sex so like how do but there is something to be learned about how they planned it so how like how do we take a non-viral product and get something out of it similar do you think i don't know for some reason the power balance just comes to mind
1: because it's not the sex cells but it's just such an accessible product it's supposed to make you more flexible and a better athlete. And those things went crazy back. Are you in, talking about the ones where you go to the mall and they're like put this bracelet on and it's then they, a, it's they, pretty much a rubber bracelet, like yeah. the Live Strong bracelet with a piece of like holographic plastic in it. And their marketing scheme was they would they actually went to my high school when I was doing track yeah. and tried to sell it to the team. And so they would have you stand there and point your hands out. Correct. I remember. And they'd so, have you twist. Yeah. And then they would say, point your finger as far as you can twist and remember that spot. And then you would put the power balance bracelet on and you would run the same stretch again. And you'd be able to go further. The only reason why you could go further is because you
0: just warmed up your body with the first stretch. What about the one, two where they like, have you hold your hand out and they push down your hand and without the power band, you're like your hand falls. And then when you put the thing on, you can like hold them. Yeah. Cause you expect it coming. So they just, tapped into this you think it's all fake it was all fake those people i think were in orange county they made millions okay so but i'm gonna pull out the commonalities that i'm trying to get out of you and i'm gonna try to pull them out of myself okay yeah i'm not doing i know (laughs) i'm not doing it my mind just wasn't connected. no 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 i know well it's not that easy to go from butt leggings (laughs) to power bands to drift or you know (laughs) and everyone hears the yeah okay so like a SaaS product or just a non non sex easy gimmicky product and i think the big takeaway in all of this is that the results are believable and they're in your face it's like remember when we used to go to gas stations and they would be like here's your normal wax try this new wax all of a sudden your car is just like sham wow
1: it's correct yeah
0: it's all the before and after think about it before you couldn't look that far put the power brand after you can look further before your butt's flat After, your butt's perfect. You don't want to work out, change your diet, or do anything hard to attain results? Try these leggings on. So essentially, to me, the virality of the product is not the virality of the campaign. The virality of the product is selling something we all know is fake in a way that's believable. If you think about it. Yeah. Like, we all know sex tapes are fake. We all know that leggings are fake. We all know that the power band is fake, but we don't want to believe it. We don't want to believe, or we want to believe that it's real. In other words, we want to believe that we could wear some simple bracelet and our life gets better. We want to believe that the way, biggest, best way to fix our butt that we don't love is to put some new pants on. Yeah. Right? That's the easy thing. So to me, what they're selling in these virality of the products, because there is a certain virality of the product. Remember, it's still a demonstration of the product, First and foremost, you could send the same influencers five leggings. And if they don't, look as different before and after it's not going to go viral. So the product does have to have this virality in its own description. And I think for us trying to find the virality of our own products, as we're thinking about this, it's what do we have in our product? That's like too good to be true, but is true. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what it's that. It's the thing in our life. That's too good to be true. That is also actually true. Like, your butt does look better when you put the TikTok leggings on. It does. It's too good to be true that your butt looks nice by buying better pants. But your butt does look nicer when you buy those leggings. And so, I think that's the part we have to find in our own services or offerings.
1: Yeah, and it's your market marketing for you. I think that's what makes it viral. And I think, was it, what was the recent company who did the commercial or ad where it was just a bunch of clips from their demos and, like, the reactions? of the market.
0: I think you said that was metadata. Was it metadata? I think that's what you said. Okay. I don't remember yeah
1: so I think relevant to like B2B software and even like with what we do, yeah. it's getting your from a demo the reactions of your market and making an ad out of it, I'd say is very similar to the TikTok leggings. It's like
0: the campaign you want to do for directive, because we this is I mean it's a two door a little bit. Um <laughs> People love our proposals. I, we do more free work than anybody. Yeah. And I mean, they our, don't know it until they yeah. get it, right? That's the gap. They never is know the... how good the proposal is in our marketing. What's getting them is the gift card. But ironically, the proposal is straight fire. And it takes a ton of hours. We put a ton of effort into it. It's all custom. It's literally a full, it's a free strategy, essentially. Like a multi tens of thousands of dollars strategy free of charge. But we haven't figured out how to take that magic moment that happens post-marketing and use it to our advantage pre-sales in our marketing and you're right that could be something that is too good to be true and easy imagine if you only had to show up for a 45 minute call and you got a full strategy for free of charge and you didn't have to hire the agency yeah that'd be pretty nice yeah
1: but i think the challenge would be if like the tiktok leggings try to sell without the videos right and without that social proof and yeah so i think that's like Using us as an example, we need to because we have it all on gong recordings. Right? Yeah, we record every proposal, we get live feedback, people yeah. talk about it, they show
0: their excitement, they show they didn't expect it, but the market doesn't see that. Well, yeah, and we can't say how great our proposal is. If you take that example, we would need, like, um in yeah. our case, maybe like a Dave Gerhardt or someone who's got an audience on LinkedIn, yeah, to us talk about how great this proposal was exactly. and then share it. So we would have to essentially, I think. Someone in B2B who's done this well is a marketer for hire. Marketer for hire sells essentially like upscale Fiverr, or upscale Upwork. Mm-hmm. And they're like selling you know $300 an hour marketing consultants as freelancers, as like a platform, like as like an Upwork for high-end marketing talent. But they grow through an influencer marketing campaign for B2B, which I thought is really interesting. Yeah. And if we took that same campaign, think about what makes other things viral. The virality of it wasn't the two dudes, which actually would have been funny if they did the before and afters, but like essentially it was the influencers that yeah, did that. Yeah,
1: I actually had an idea driving the other day for Gong.
0: Okay, and well, it,
1: it's it's along these lines. whoa whoa well, well, Gong, thing. the big sales unicorn that recently hired Directive. yeah okay, yeah that God. one so i wasn't I, sure if i'd heard of one. i, I kind of have an in to talk to them about okay, it but we'll yeah. talk about it on the podcast uh, it just happened the other day but i was thinking of viral campaigns and so you know how spotify does the end of year wrap-up yes so they tell you like Correct. your top five artists top five songs and people post that on instagram yeah i was thinking gong can use their data and mm-hmm. give each user of gong you know, percentage of time on calls, how many hours on average in a week talking about certain topics. Like, like those,
0: like, um, like the, the notifications I get on my iPhone, that's like time spent on screen and it, like breaks. Exactly. Off, something but like giving
1: people who use Gong, like their personal stats and doing it in a way where they can post it on LinkedIn.
0: And it shows your progress. Maybe you've got, you, you're now allowing people to talk longer or you're hitting better requests. Yeah. Using their themes and tags uh,
1: yeah to show improvement. Like if I got it, it'd be like, Oh, Brady, like in twenty twenty two you spend X amount of hours on calls. Like that would be a fun, really cool image to post on my LinkedIn and now everyone sees it's gong and how does Gong have this data and they look into it. Like I think that could be
0: Dang, Brady, that's, dropping fire yeah. today. Well, a little
1: car ride at golden spoon does things. You love your golden spoon. My mm-hmm. wife loves golden spoon, so
0: you don't like golden spoon at all?
1: I like it. I'm just not a <laughs> huge dessert guy. Like her, her timing of when she's ready for dessert is probably two hours before mine.
0: Oh, so it's like a 5 PM golden spin.
1: It's yeah. It's minute. like you eat dinner and then dessert. And for me, it's like, I kind of need a gap because I fill myself up. I'm at the dinner. same I'm just, I don't have that control to like save it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I've been yeah. working on it though. I did that in Mexico. I like made sure I wouldn't stuff myself because I knew we're out at dinner. Like I'd have to have dessert. Yeah, you gotta life. get a churro yeah. or something
0: but anyway that that's the viral idea for gone i love it i love it i think it's such a cool concept you're talking about of virality and you're right there we pretend like there's no way to go viral i mean let's be honest having a viral product or something that's sex related probably helps however i think there are principles from their campaign that we can all apply and make our campaigns go further yeah no I, i the the whole sex thing
1: is it's interesting how that it's just an easy route like the shake weight i don't know if you remember that. oh <laughs> the i remember the shake, shake weight blew up the shake I, I, weight. I don't know if they expected it if they, i think if they had those crazy. I, I don't think they expected it back in that was like the, what the 90s early 2000s there was all those crazy workouts and that one just happened to brady there's been a lot of things going on be for tied a to lot of centuries though. i don't know <laughs> but that, that one's hilarious
0: now mine that like got me inspired is terrible for radio slash podcast, but I'm going to tell you about this. I watched it too. We can work together, create the visual. Okay. So if y'all don't know, we aren't doing a YouTube show yet necessarily of this podcast. And sometimes in this segment, we're going to show you clips from our imaginary YouTube channel. It doesn't exist yet. Subscribe, like leave five stars. You know, if y'all can really support us, we're going to have a YouTube channel very soon. Now, what we're looking at here. Is a car ad, mm-hmm. so it's for the Ford Raptor. But they're releasing like a Baja or like a yeah. even racier version of the race truck known as the Raptor, and it's the Raptor R. Okay. And the way they introduced it is a campaign called Scary Fast, because it is scary fast. And then they just ran with the scary theme, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love it. So if you're listening to this right now, feel free to pause or check it out. It's the Ford Raptor R scary fast video ad. When you watch it, what I love about the ad is it creates emotion for the car. Because I believe cars should have an emotional connection. I believe products, services, you should sell emotion first. I think a big part of directive success is I'm a very emotional human. And when I'm on these sales calls, I try to create a, an, an energy, a feeling, mm-hmm. something that you get when you're a part of a conversation with myself, where you walk away fired up, ready to go. But what I found is it's hard to sometimes recreate that energy that you can sometimes get from a conversation with a certain type of human in an ad. Mm-hmm. And what I felt was so cool about the Ford ad was they didn't focus on features. They didn't, like, if you think about, like, a Ram ad or, like, a Tundra ad, it's always, like, the tailgate opens in 36 yeah. different ways. I mean,
1: they had features that aren't even features of the car. Like, they had the cab glowing.
0: Oh, yeah. The like, whole they, thing they, was emotional. They emotion. made it fit, like, the scary movie theme. But you didn't. But you still got an emotional connection to the car. Because I think there's another yeah. way to do that same ad where you're just, like, oh, was that for Ford? No, this was very clearly a car ad that was. In a scary movie theme that didn't focus on features, but instead focused on you literally creating a desire for you to want to mm-hmm. buy the car. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I liked how
1: realistic, like, well, I say realistic. It was a crazy production, right? A lot of.
0: It's like Mad Max. Meets a lot of Halloween effects, but
1: yeah. they did this one clip where it does a jump across like a blood moon. Yeah. And it was a legit jump. Like, that was an actual dirt jump that a Ford Raptor R can do. They didn't go over the top and make them, like, jump over a canyon. No, it was real. So, it made it real. It made you actually think, like, oh, I could go in the desert and I could do that jump
0: in this truck. Yeah, if you break it down, what they did, right? The production was real. The post-production was fake. And then the whole thing focused on the theme, which was scary fast. Mm -hmm. And you walked away going, holy crud, that truck is sick.
1: Yeah, and it was memorable. I think I don't know if that's yeah. part of the plan. Like movie previews are built to be memorable. That's how yeah. the movies make money: is they make previews that make you remember. the It's preview a preview for and the to car the movie. Who remembers car commercials? So they kind of took the movie preview technique. Yeah, because worst. it's memorable, yep. and now you're remembering a car commercial.
0: No, it's so good. At the end, they showed you. I remember 700 horsepower. I was like, 700. Yeah, six, thirty-six inch tires, thirty-seven. I thought it was 36. Was it? 30? Okay. Maybe Run the tape. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. I, I'm saying 37. You're going 36. I don't know now. No, oh, you got to stay confident, Brady. How much torque? It was 634. I don't even know how torque was. So I can't even guess. It was like. It's usually less than horsepower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But 700 horsepower. I remember that because it was even number. And it was at the very end. It was like a two minute ad and like 150. They hit me with 700 horsepower. Yeah. And it's like that was the moment I wanted. Like a. Think about how they do, to your point, a trailer. It's like a two-minute trailer, right? And at the end, they give you the cast. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're like, oh, I do love those actors or actresses or those people. In this case, it's like they hit you with the stuff at the end, but it didn't focus on the features, which I loved. It focused on the emotion and making me want the car. And at the end, it told me the specs. But it had specs and emotion, no features. How do we apply that, Brady? Like, how do we do emotion and specs? Instead of feature, because I think that's what every buyer wants. They want to buy something that they love and they feel emotionally connected to, but they do need the specs.
1: Yeah. I mean, I want to say they were showing the features just through it ripping through the desert.
0: No, they're showing outcomes. Those are outcomes, outcomes. right? Remember, it's different.
1: But Uh, they still do that with the double tailgate, right? They're actually doing something with the double tailgate. So it's similar to that. It's just that truck is built to rip through the desert. So that's what they were doing the whole time.
0: Yeah, instead of demoing, like, look how many plumbing pipes you can fit in here. Yeah,
1: and not backing up the trailer with, like, those... I don't even know how they work with the cameras that somehow wrap around the trailer. So you can see behind it. Like, they'll show someone actually backing up a trailer. This one, they just showed the truck ripping through the desert because that is what it's built to do, even though ninety percent of the people who probably buy that truck, it will not touch dirt. Just
0: like the other ninety percent never back up a trailer. Yeah. Right. If you like think about it, it's so funny. But wouldn't you rather sell essentially like in this case I guess they're selling like emotion. Yeah, no,
1: I totally the outcome, the emotion didn't get into
0: like that the snake that comes and turns into the shifting handle.
1: Yeah. So yeah, they didn't talk about towing capacity, even though you can tow with it. Obviously. You can do all those things. It was just an off road. Just blazing monster. through the desert. It was a little scary for me, though. I'm not going to lie. When the hand hit the mirror. Yeah, I watch like out for that. that hand. I didn't like that. I don't like scary movies.
0: What's your least favorite scary movie?
1: My, I've, I don't watch them. You never them. I, I started of them? the Baba Duke once in college, and I left.
0: Baba Duke? Baba Duke. It's I'm, like a I don't like scary movies. Yeah, it's a horror I don't, movie. I don't know why I asked that question? Some
1: kid was like reading this childhood story called the Baba Duke and this thing is like a monster came to life. I it was at a friend's apartment. I left. Is this I a home. child's movie or is this No, a this is, is like a remember. legit okay. like, scary movie. <laughs> it was so eerie and scary. I just I went home. I was like, okay. I'm not doing this.
0: Do you think I think a part of the reason why I like yeah, I don't like scary movies. But it wasn't I, too scary
1: like no of course yeah i wasn't gonna it's
0: still to sell cars it was pushing it a little
1: bit but it, wasn't it did scary.
0: though it did it, at least it delivered on the theme And what i'm saying is yeah do you think part of the reason why i liked it and that it'll work is because of how committed they were to something different oh yeah it was so different like uh, it wasn't yeah. like no, any like other said, car ad I've seen you recently. remember car ad? yeah i haven't seen a good car ad in so long and i love cars that's why i was just like finally you know what i mean like finally someone made a good car ad.
1: yeah i'm curious if they were inspired by the the nacho fries commercials
0: okay break this down for me so
1: talk about nacho fries they did like a whole action movie segment i Not think it was like for the corny joke where the candid
0: nacho fries and they take no, it no okay. it wasn't like
1: a normal fast food commercial talking about the five dollar deal and making it all look way better than it is they had like a full action movie as their commercial for the Nacho Fries. There was like some secret agent. I I forget it, but I'm curious that they whoever created this commercial was inspired by the Nacho Fries movie.
0: And it reminded you a little bit of that. Let's yeah, see. that's
1: the first thing I thought of is like what other companies have I seen do a movie preview, even though it's not for a movie, and talk about Nacho Fries.
0: See, it reminded me more of like the Apple AirPod ads in the sense that they made me feel because it was all about like this guy yeah. breakdancing through yep. New York City or whatever with his AirPods and it's a sick commercial if you haven't seen it it's amazing but it has nothing to do with like the fact that they're noise canceling or this but then he takes his ears out and he hear all the noise so it's such a clever way Just to show the features correct yeah. and making I felt like I was wearing the AirPods I felt like I was driving the truck yeah like I noticed in the truck ad there's this really cool thing I think we should think about Where when you look into the truck, you can see the driver's wearing a helmet and the visor's down. Mm -hmm. But when they get inside the truck and they show the driver, you can see their eyes, and it makes you feel like it's your eyes. Like, by showing the eyes, it connected you to the ad Mm -hmm. in a way that you wouldn't have got if the visor was down on the driver's helmet.
1: Yeah, it would have been, like, too anonymous, and who's this
0: professional stuntman kind of thing. Correct. There's these little moments that I think make certain ads great. Like, that Apple one was just... The post production, the, the the filming, the the way it was done, but it didn't focus on like how many DBs that the I think mm-hmm. that's the word for the audio files listening right now. You probably just had a cringing heart attack, but whatever like the features were of AirPods had nothing to do, and everything was imaginal life without cords essentially, and that was so cool. Yeah,
1: no, I, I agree. There were there were a lot of details in that truck commercial. Yeah that like i said just made it realistic It made it like even myself feel like i could do that in the desert and who doesn't yeah.
0: like a cactus that catches fire like there's some things that were just like appealing to, yeah like... And that
1: was like the eeriness on like the scary movie it was yeah. almost like a multiverse it, it reminded me of stranger things there's like yeah. the upside down and normal life and so it he, did have a certain You had things. like the cactus on fire and the normal then on fire and the normal it's like what world am i in the truck handle anything yeah I it did it. have Stranger Things vibes, though. I think even at the end, they had it in big red letters. It totally it was. Which is fine. I'm not, like, knocking all these comparisons on nacho fries and Stranger Things. I think it's smart.
0: No, it's beautiful. And you got to be inspired and pull off of, I think, popular culture and re- resonate with it. Which is a great transition to marketing and culture. Let's do it. So, award shows. What do you think about award shows? Essentially paying for your own fame. In
1: advertisement or like in general? Are we talking well, oscars Oscars? Grammys, what are we wait, what did you call them? Like a scores? I don't I know. Love that. Like, like a score. Yeah. Oscars.
0: Heck yeah. Yeah, it's new. That's a new one. Yeah. We would do great at that one. I think so. So <laughs> we need. No, what I'm saying is like award shows. So I feel like our culture was really big on award shows. Advertising, there's con, cans. I'd be probably saying it wrong be like, did you win any awards at Cannes last year? But I think it's con. I'm not sure. I think it's con. You can tell how good I am at advertising or yeah, how, how little. Doesn't Search Engine Land have? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. U.S. Search Award, Search Engine Landy Awards. They've got Search Engine Journal Award. Everybody's got an award because it's a great way to make money. Now, my question to you is, are award shows relevant anymore, number one? And do you think they really influence buying, like, I, they influence behavior. This is okay, so I'll give you the, kind of the frame of reference, right? If you hear that a show, a movie or a show, movies or Emmys? I have and, no idea. No, shows are Emmys, movies are Oscars, I believe.
1: Something like that. No, there's I think one, that's right. one for
0: Broadway, too. Which I don't care about. And there's a country music one. Which I do care about. Okay. But, and those are the country music awards, the CMAs. Mm. Now, if you find out, like, some movie won an oscar are you more likely to
1: see it brady so i think over time that has changed for me because that's that's what i wanted to talk about like i feel like even the entertainment award shows are becoming less relevant and it's so obvious that it's an inner circle thing staged or fake i think it's staged I think it's no, no, the Chris Rock. Version. Oh, it was, it was I think slapped. it was real. They, I mean, there's, I've looked a lot into it. <laughs> there's these things with Scientology. If you get disrespected, you have to go up and slap the person, or else people in the Scientology community will slap you. So Whoa. I think that I don't. I'm you know I'm just spending some time online. Yeah, you I'm were spending some I'm time checking online. Things out, so yeah. I, I'm not spitting facts right now for
0: all of those who aren't aware every other episodes were a conspiracy podcast yeah and we're going to be going deep into I, these things
1: i read some things that entertain me yeah and i like to you know get to the point where i stop my research because i actually want to believe that there's some crazy shit out there like that yeah. so that's i think it was real you think it was real i think it was real because they're still dealing with it like chris rock hasn't even met with him yet
0: it's, well he issued a big apology that got a lot of retweets
1: yeah I know there's that
0: part of it on like how long if it was staged. Because it was finally done how long and then he brought it back. Isn't yeah. that brilliant? Yeah. Like because he cared so much. He had to wait till no one cared about it and then issue his apology so he could get his media cycle again. Yeah it's like the, the Kanye West Taylor Swift you know
1: Beyonce should have won moment like how much of that was. I don't think Kanye does anything. Kanye scripted. controlling his own fame while it's conscious or not.
0: Oh that's a thousand percent conscious. But I do, I do not think Chris Rock saw that coming i don't either i believe it was completely real but my point being if it wasn't for that slap, the oscars as a live viewing event and an actual show is irrelevant it's yeah, gone it's I not totally a part of agree. society anymore and i
1: think it's because like for music i can explore my own music i can find what i want to listen to for movies too i i know every movie coming out i can make my decision i Personally, I don't care who wins an award, or should I see it because they won this or that? The just, algorithms are more important than award shows, and it's simple as yeah, what you're saying. Stronger, I trust them more. I yeah. think back in the day, in the '90s and maybe 2000s, you would sit down with the family, watch the award show, and maybe plan
0: your next blockbuster movie rental because of it. But you're right, though the algorithms are more important than the award show. Right? When I log into Netflix, I just look what's trending now. Or what's recommended for me, right? Like when I go to Apple yeah. Music or Spotify, it's all about the algorithm, knowing what I like and just giving it to me, not me going, what does my favorite critic think? And, oh, what does Pitchfork give this album? Or what did Rotten Tomatoes say? Now, I still like peer reviews. And I like oh, to totally. combine peer reviews with the critic reviews just to dump on the critics sometimes, I feel like.
1: Oh, yeah. I still look at Rotten Tomatoes. Like I have to see Paddington, too. Got a hundred percent. Did you see Paddington one? Yes. Okay. Okay. I and I don't know how Paddington two achieved a hundred
0: percent because was Paddington one? It was all right. Yeah, I mean, mean it, it sounds like it's Paddington. Yeah, like it was it a good movie. You should watch it with your kids. It was. It's it was a movie good. about the stuffed animal that's in the other movie, right? Or is that the same movie? It's these the Mark bears. Wahlberg one. Is that? I don't know. That, that's, that's what I'm like thinking a of. A raunchy comedy. That's oh, that's the same bear though. No, no. Oh, oh I thought it's like
1: a kids movie.
0: Oh, got it, got it. I thought
1: that bear yeah. was. See, anyway, so I like Rotten Tomatoes, but I think that's all that has replaced maybe what these award shows used to be. Is there's just different authoritative ways to like oh because it's trending on netflix i trust it i want to watch it because rotten tomatoes says it's this i want to watch it because i see the ads on tv because i see things on social media where maybe there's just less of that to where people be like oh it's because i saw it in the emmys or the oscars let's let's put it into a bucket
0: though welcome my sick and messed up mind here we go yeah i know here we go (laughs) buckle up folks so i think there's two ways of looking at it and i hear what you think about these two ways of looking okay. at as we translate this into marketing social proof mm-hmm. and discovery. yeah, so the award show was used to probably be a little bit of both here is essentially movies that you didn't even know came out or movies that won awards that you might want to watch, in other words, you discover a new artist at a music show, you discover a new song, you discover a new album, you discover a new movie, a new show like um. What's the one with the Korean um, director? That I never watched it. Yeah, it I would never watch that. One X amount and yeah, it's a perfect example of a movie. By the way, I still haven't watched, but I will. I know I will eventually watch. Ironically, probably when it goes to Netflix, is trending number one, and then I will probably watch it. Ironically, when it, or like it re- gets re released to HBO mm-hmm. Max, but there's social proof and discovery. Yeah. Now, marketing marketers and agencies still use award shows, I would argue, mostly for social proof because I don't think a lot of like clients are like, I wonder who won this latest award show. But they've been almost replaced in marketing by peer reviews. In other words, the Rotten Tomatoes, how Rotten Tomatoes replaced critics, Capterra and G2 and Gartner are trying to replace Khan mm-hmm. to a certain extent, right? Because mm-hmm. Now, not just for SaaS, but it's also professional services. All these industries are getting their own third-party review site, peer-reviewed kind of criteria. What do you, what do you think the future is? Even the cars, we go back to that. Remember, it used to be like J.D. Power, and we, everybody knew you just bought the awards. If you can't buy your awards, is that better for us as customers, you think? Yeah, I'm trying to, like, I'm even throwing Shark Tank
1: into this mix. Like, Shark Tank is a huge ad for any company on it. It's social in terms proof of like the discover, discoverability, yeah. so I always think about like how anyone investing um in the shark side like they just got the biggest ad in the world for this product, and now they're going to invest, so they already know like something's coming yeah they they essentially have traction but that's all like platform. discoverability through entertainment there's product placement in movies like the like Marvel movies, I think is Audi, electric cars, things like that is a way to discover things there's the yeah, the award shows, I just don't think it's a big enough.
0: It's just not the most powerful platform. So you anymore. have a new client and they want to enter what would be, let's say for a software company, theirs is like the Gartner report, right? At the end of the day, that's kind of like their yeah award and you pay for it. Just like you pay for, by the way, for those of you who don't know, you have to pay what's called an award submission. So mm-hmm. you pay to submit. And if you submit enough awards, I found that you win. In other words, one year I only did one award submission. I didn't win the next year. I did like 10. In other words, I became a big enough customer that they're like, well, this guy won this year. Let's make sure he buys 10 awards next year. So, so we, we got to let him win at least one of these 10. So I kind of figured out how to win awards. You enter a bunch of submissions. There's really nothing to do with much else. Yeah. I think the difference is, and this even
1: goes for the entertainment ones, it's just you with your peers and not your market. I think that's why they're not that powerful. Like even our awards, it's when we submit, it's other
0: agencies on those yeah the oscars isn't a bunch of people watching it's a bunch of celebrities clapping for each other
1: yeah it's not the marketers at fortune 500 SaaS companies watching them it's just it's our peers aka our competition in the space so i think that's also where it's less powerful it's like it's not but you can get the badge and you can use it as social proof so there is that aspect and you know i've never had a prospect ask us like hey what awards have you won more case studies and results, and we'll
0: think of award show that is still relevant that we all love, and they do it exceptionally well compared to everybody else. And that's American the MLB All Star Game. No, the All Star yeah. Game for baseball. They still sell out the stadiums. It means absolutely nothing. What kind of awards do they give? Like Rookie of the Year? That's at the end, right? Well, winning the All Star. Well, because their award show is integrated to the product. Yeah, the All Star Game. I mean, you're an All Star. That's an award as a player. Okay. Think about it. That's like winning marketer of the year. But then you don't get to see the marketer of the year do a live marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is there a way for us to leverage awards as a marketer? Because I feel like back in the day, if you were an agency and you won a bunch of awards, you slap it on your hero shot and your conversion rate may or may not go up. It probably does because that's social proof. I would argue now it's almost negligible because people don't really care that much like, remember, like, when you used to win a fort, like, uh, if you're in the Fortune uh, 5000 or the mm-hmm. Ink Five, what is it? Ink 5000? Yeah, Ink 5000. Yeah. And everybody would put that on there. Now, I feel like if you put the Ink 5000 on your website, you're saying that you're small, not that you're big. Like, it's actually saying the opposite thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, do you feel like awards can be leveraged at all? Like, if you got a new account, like, let's say Gong, right? Yeah. And you wanted Gong, obviously, is a market leader, has this ton of stuff. Are you going to put, like, their, g2 reviews and their captera stuff everywhere or you feel like that cheapens them i think there's definitely
1: a place for that
0: so it's peer reviews yeah it's
1: peer reviews it's similar to like amazon products when you buy it you're looking for high stars and high volume of reviews so i I think there's definitely a a time and place for that
0: what about the big gartner study that everybody hates to do but knows they have to like the to get on the quadrant yeah, type of study. Yeah, exactly. Because that's not really pure. Because they have Gartner peer Insights, which is different, though, than the Magic Quadrant. The Magic yeah. Quadrant in Gartner is very much a pay-to-play for people who have big budgets to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But it, we know from our campaigns, it's like the highest performing thing. So we're over here saying award shows aren't that relevant, yet the Magic Quadrant's just a big old award show.
1: Yeah, I just think it's perceived differently, and I think it has a bigger reach. And I think like because it's visual, it has that type of ranking. It goes further than just like uh, we won this in twenty twenty because I get they do have those badges, right? So beyond like being in a certain place in the quadrant, they do say like you know sales software, you know highest growth twenty twenty one
0: or top leader for last three quarters in uh, customer service. Or- yeah. But it's not peer. I want to be clear here. It's not peer like Capterra G2 or even Gartner Pure Insights. This is a award show that now here's, I guess, the question on the Gartner one for the B2B listeners. Does it provide discovery, you think? In other words, do you think buyers go directly to Gartner or do you believe buyers go to Google, go to the brands and then discover Gartner?
1: It's got to be both. A bit both, I don't know, right? like the ratio on average, but it's a mix of both. And they have their I think like, and they even the badges, are... it's worth A&B testing. But it's like, don't what what um, what's the award for
0: books? A New York Times bestseller.
1: Yeah, New York Times bestseller. It's like I'm sure that little silver star, whatever it is, on a book helps with moving those books off
0: the shelf exponentially. It's social proof, but it's not discovery. Do is it like? Do you go to New York Times no, bestsellers so. by category? I don't think so. I think you go to Amazon. So what I would argue is Gartner is probably overpriced because of the amount of discovery it drives, but still critically important because of the social proof it creates and the leverage you get on your conversion rates by funnel stage, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you can integrate it as a sales asset, as well as a marketing asset, you get a higher conversion rate on marketing, higher close rate on sales, and then the buyer feels good because it's like an insurance policy they can take to their boss. Mm -hmm. Look, I hired the number one in person on the Magic Quadrant. They've got to be good.
1: Yeah. So I think the benefit is like after the fact, even for like the art industry award shows, even the Emmys,
0: it's like an Emmy nominated. It's the insurance part because we don't want to recommend it's insurance. There's a third piece of it. It's discovery, social proof insurance. Because remember, think about like when you're like if you're dating a girl or something and it's like maybe your first date and you don't want to mess up the movie. Right. Mm. Like you're trying to pick it. Like, how do I get the right movie? But you don't want to watch one you've already seen because so you don't want to be bored. So you got to choose a movie, but you don't want to be, like, somebody who has bad movie taste. Or, like, imagine, you know, like, you're in a car for the first time on a first date. You're like, which song do I play? Yeah. Right? And I feel like there's, like, an insurance piece to this where we're like, oh, look, this one just won an Oscar. Let's watch this one. Because it's like, I'm not the one who um, chose I mean, it to be an Oscar. an obvious choice. Anyone would have chosen this. Correct. So. There's, like, an insurance yeah. part where when we like choose things that have won awards, we feel like we're de-risking ourselves to a certain extent also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I, I think it you you get a marketing
1: asset in the end of the day when you go through that song and dance of awards. So I I think the discoverability is the weakest part. Yeah. It is, agree. you know, even the entertainment ones. I, I think, think it used to be the biggest part. I think it used to be big especially in entertainment. Correct. I don't know about our type of ad shows i think it's just always been peers and competitors yeah um so i think discoverability is getting weak over time but the strength of that insurance the strength of that marketing asset like i think actors directors even leverage it probably to get their next gig oh yeah and to pitch their next project is oh i'm emmy award emmy nominated well if you
0: win an all-star like, let's go to the all-star game as a baseball player you're gonna have a higher sal- salary contract yeah if you win an oscar as an actor you can ask for more money i would imagine in your next movie so yeah it's a piece of the game it's a piece of the game it has value now let's talk about how do you value it so -hmm. in your mind brady i come up to you and i say hey brady um you're cfo by the way brady okay cool congratulations good luck directive
1: yeah i know right this
0: is (laughs) we're taking a weird spin of events but i like this so brady you're now cfo and i come to you as head of marketing and i say i want to do a hundred thousand dollars investment into con next Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. and you say how are you gonna evaluate my business case? What what would how would you cut like what would make an award show worth a hundred thousand dollars to you, Brady? How would you think about signing off on that or even pitching that? So even if we reverse roles, you come to me. How would you pitch me on why I should spend a hundred thousand dollars on con? So So now I'm pitching you or Yeah, well I swapped it. it. Okay. I swapped so it. I I, it. I think this will I, I be more had effective. Some, some mixed for us. Answers. Yeah, yeah, for our audience and for you, Brady and me, I think. I'm the CFO. Okay, you're pitching me a hundred thousand dollar like investment. The CFO title.
1: I had like a really good way to bite back right at the end. I know. I know. I'm sure you. So can. I'll do a little bit of both. Okay. And so it would have to be modeling out the impact of being there and winning. So just going oh, cool. through the process, what is the impact of that? That's right. your baseline. So this is attending versus winning. Yeah. And so what's like the viewership of the award show? What's the ICP demographic of the award show? How similar is that to our outbound SDR team that performs at this rate? Are we going to get
0: a list of all the attendees? Yeah, are we going to
1: get a list? What's marketing's plan to then leverage that list? Like, I would want to see the roadmap post-attending from just being there versus winning. And then I would ask, if I were the CFO, what are the odds of us winning? Mm. I think that's where it gets tough. Yep. Because I'm sure the marketer would get so passionate about like, oh, if we win, I can do all this. And then they get hit with what are the odds of us winning? Yeah. I think that's where it's such a risky investment because it's winning or not winning that completely controls, I think, the extent of the impact versus sponsoring a conference for 100 k You know where your booth is going to be. You know you get the biggest mm. one. You know you get you're right in the center with a really cool wrap around banner. Like, yep. you know what you're getting investing that much in awards if you don't win a single one the impact of it's probably way less
0: than if you win them all and you win i say yes you win Mm -hmm. now we gotta do it again next year how do i know if it was worth it even after i won yeah i think that's where
1: connecting the dots like if you did get a list of attendees you know how did that
0: outreach go? How many responses? We did you upload get that to Salesforce, add a campaign called Award Show List. We see who, who from yeah. the Award Show if they ever close in the next 12 offline touch point, invisible
1: something like that. Okay. So you'd have to be very sophisticated, I'd say, in marketing ops
0: to really pull this off. Yeah. It sounds like too, and I don't want to assume this, but it sounds like what you're saying too is that there's more work post event than there is pre event. If you want to do award shows I think so. as a marketer. Yeah,
1: I don't. I think showing up or submitting, attending the event they do, yep. ideally winning, if you just check out from there, I think the impact is
0: minimal. Well, because it's only your peers at the event. You, oh, yeah, it, what, it's not yeah. your audience, yeah. right? So at this point, the only people that know you're good is other execs that are mad that you won instead of them that work at other agencies. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. It. Yeah. And then you can see the shortlist. So essentially, even if you get shortlisted, people are like, oh, that's interesting. But it's not like every director of demand gen and software is like, like patiently waiting for US search awards to drop so they can choose who they're going to hire next. Mm -hmm. So really what happens, it's not submitting an award or winning an award that makes award shows relevant, even in any scenario. It's what you do afterwards. In other words, it's like, oh, you make an all star game. That's great. What'd you do after the all-star break? Mm -hmm. Oh, you won an award? Cool. How did that fuel your growth? But I think you're right. It's just an asset. It's just a piece of a puzzle. And the question is, how much leverage can you get off of that asset? Yeah, I think that's the question. It's like
1: how powerful, especially in our space. I think in entertainment, when it's almost like if someone chose to not say Emmy Award winning actress in a movie preview, even though it was. Right. They say it every single time. I'm sure it makes an impact. I don't know about in like the ad world how much that matters because of the commitment and the engagement. I think there's so many other things that are more that controlled the decision. Yeah. Like the audits and the pitch and the strategy and the plan. Like it's not like you could have a terrible pitch and then say, But we won this award two years ago and they'd be like, Oh, it's definitely worth it now. So, I just think there's way more variables in our space that are w- way more
0: powerful than winning an award. Well, yeah. And the way they do a lot of professional awards, I mean, I get an email every day about like submitting to be like a top, you know, rising CEO award. Yeah. And I pay, all I do is pay for it, essentially. I pay for a plaque and they send yeah. it to me.
1: And no one's ever asked me. I'm on maybe a thousand sales calls a year, never been asked. What awards have you won recently? Yeah, no one asked they ask a lot of questions. Awards has never come never, up. Never. Ever question. So I think it's yeah. like how powerful is it when you push it? Because no one's asking for it, so then you have to push it. But I think the fact that no one asks just shows how much they don't
0: they don't care. I wonder yeah, I bet you it's not that different for a software salesperson where they're like, where do you on where are you on the triangle or the quadrant or Yeah, I mean for It's a marketing question. I don't know if it's a sales question though. In other words, I think we do it in our evaluation when we're doing our yeah. self evaluation. I think we look at it and I think it gives us like us I would argue if I were looking at like a website and they had all these Gartner awards, I would have a subconscious boost. I was like, Oh, this is the best company for sure. Yeah, I think that's where it's like it's all in the subconscious though, and I think it's like pre form fill.
1: It's part of yeah. that like and like reviews you know. versus awards and I, I know what you're talking about, those Gartner badges. Where you just see them, it almost seems like they hand them out like candy, and like you go. The, my favorite is when you go to a site and they have like a two by two, like twelve of them total. Yep, just a stack of all these badges, which almost make them seem less valuable because they got so many. Yeah, how'd you get so many? It's like of these. they just, like I said, hand them out like candy. Yeah, but no, I mean that's I think worth testing. I think that it, it's strong enough to where you A and B test the client quote over those two badges on a landing page about the fold and see what does better. Like I definitely think they are
0: big enough that that to be a hypothesis and see how it
1: goes. Yeah.
0: No, I love that. I think the same thing goes for like Yelp, any type of any business where you can essentially leverage what other people are saying about you. It's better. I think the question is, is the award show worth it? And I think that's going to be for each of you listening to figure out for yourself. But I think what Brady pointed out was critically important. What you do after winning the award is exponentially more important than what you do before.
1: Yeah. And I think going back to the CFO question, just creating the gap to start with. So here's the cost. Yep. And then the CFO or the CRO should be able to help you with, here's what we would need to happen.
0: Correct. That's like our um, and budget. And creates listener. the gap.
1: Yep. And then you have fun trying to close that gap.
0: Yeah, we need at least, f- you would have to get us three proposals out of this and then one deal at 150 k this to be worth it do you think you can get that yeah
1: and it could be a hundred it could be a thousand so i think yeah. starting with just knowing what the gap is and then seeing how difficult it is to accomplish close that gap in a strategy and a
0: forecast and a plan i love it because you got to pay up front for those they might die though i bet you in 10 years okay so 10 years from now brady our award like is the oscars the emmys bigger or smaller in 10 years smaller is it gone altogether? Maybe. I could see it in ten years. Cause didn't
1: I like what? What was Ricky Gervais hosting? Where he just... Well, I mean,
0: if you let Ricky Gervais host any... What was that? <laughs> it was an award
1: ceremony, and I think that was one of like the last hurrahs where it was so entertaining.
0: Well, like, yeah, I mean, the whole Ricky Gervais playbook is say what you're not supposed to say and watch. it Yeah, go viral. He, he knew it was his like last time hosting, and it was it was just a roast on whatever academy it was. Yeah, but you see, Seth. I mean, he was. Or Steph, sorry. Apologies to all my Curry fans out there. Isn't
1: there a Seth Curry?
0: He was so corny and lame, dude, with the jokes. And they tried to be like, look how funny Steph is. Like, I remember when Drake did the SBs. That had me laughing. Yeah. Because Drake's what's called, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, a professional entertainer. Steph is what's called a basketball player. Yeah. He's not as funny. He's on Holy Moly. What's Holy Moly? It's his own game show. It's like Wipeout and Mini Golf, anyway. Yeah, that seems more like his type of humor than the S's, right? <laughs> than, like, taking shots at people and making jokes. Like, Steph is yeah. kind of like Mr. Yeah, Likeable. He can't, he's not a roaster. Correct, but I'm saying, like, SNL's dying. I mean, like, all these, like, nostalgic ways that we used to consume media are dying. Like, the old guard is almost gone. Late night shows, I mean, who's the new late night? Stewart's gone. Yeah, Letterman's weird. gone. So, this what I'm trying to say, like, that, tra- part of what I'm trying to explain is, like, SBs, Emmy's, Oscars, they're all part of like old media. Yeah. Right? It was all cable news. These are the 7 or 12 or whatever channels old people had back in the day. And this is all you can watch. There's no internet. Now, I'd rather just be on my phone and see like the top 5 clips from any of them. Yeah. Is that nothing gets the dopamine going like Instagram Reels? No, nothing gets it. And then I don't have to watch all the commercials or the boring parts. I can just watch yeah. Like think about, it. I never even knew the Oscars were going on till all of a sudden I saw a slap of Will Smith and like How do you ever, if I'm the Oscars, I would actually be pissed. Mm -hmm. Because how, like that to me was the last hurrah. Nothing can ever be greater. They were already dying. This was like a slight resurrection. I mean, imagine how boring next year is going to be when no one gets slapped on stage. And did they, how much revenue did they make off of that? It was all
1: other companies. Oh yeah. Reposting it and making the revenue.
0: Yeah, the, where is the money? Even no one it? went
1: to their DVR and went to that moment again.
0: Yeah, I guess you can always charge Mark Wahlberg a thousand dollars for a ticket, but I don't know if that's really why like it was successful. It was successful because it was culturally relevant, and even our industry, when I do like our award show night and we have like 150 people and 12 show up, I think it just mm-hmm. shows you how little everyone frankly cares about award shows.
1: Yeah. So can they adapt to newer formats of content? Like SNL, should they have a better Instagram page and a TikTok page? Because it's funny you brought that up because I've tried to watch SNL. And it's I, tough I'm now. like, is it me? Is it SNL? Like I used to love mad TV growing up. Oh, yeah. I used I to really like writing SNL. like a
0: good writing room. Like a good skit or a well done, like but written skit. I don't know.
1: I'm just having a hard time. Like, are the comedians worse? Is it me? And I, I think it's just because my entertainment is now social media even on youtube i watch clips of andrew schultz stand-up i don't even watch the whole stand-up i watch a two-minute clip of him roasting
0: someone in the audience and like that's (laughs) my entertainment i move on yeah you don't well and i think the talent that comes out of old media is not as good anymore because the best talent doesn't need them Mm. in other words to me if you're talent the only reason you give a percent or something or you get a paycheck instead of earning your own money is because you're not that good you can be your own brand on social now you can get your own audience. Essentially, before you had to work for the network because they had the audience. The discoverability. They had discoverability. That was my point earlier yeah, yeah. of like why, why discover like if you think about it, discoverability, social proof, insurance. Those are the three drivers of award shows. Mm-hmm. Well, if you get rid of discoverability, and all you have left is social proof and insurance, it's lost its soul. Because it's no longer something that people want to tune into. It's simply something that the companies or individuals buy for leverage. Mm -hmm. And it's all fake. It was real before because it was entertainment. It was a part like you could be proud of what you won. I think now the way culture is going, it's hard. That's not really how it works anymore. Like I feel like it could be like we went from having Will Ferrell come out of SNL to Pete Davidson. Think about the comedic talent. That you used to get out of SNL because if you were truly the best comedian, that had the biggest audience. So every artist wants a bigger kind of audience. At the end of the day, every artist is, to a certain extent, like I can say this about myself. Like we all want attention. Mm -hmm. We all want people to care about what we have to create or produce or say. And now if the network can't give that to you and you got to sign off your soul in the sense of creative freedom, right? They're going to have final say on anything you produce and you're going to have to give them a cut of everything. Mm-hmm. Why would the best people do it the old media way? No, I know, I think old media is going to be gone, man.
1: Yeah. No, I I even for like my photography, I entered a contest because my grandpa wanted me to for like Westway's magazine. I love it. And I got like third place. I had to pay money up front. Like fortunately I won. We got some stuff out of it, but it was nothing like just posting on my Instagram. Did you get any off, like I'm did you get any Tuesday job offers from way, third, third place? place? No. But I get way more reach just on my Instagram than I did going through This more old school. If you want your photography seen, if you win, it's now in the Westway magazine. And
0: however, if a big social media account, like the top five largest photography account, did a competition and charged you, yeah, that you would do. No, I've been posted
1: on Sony's Instagram, okay, and I got subtle flex. But it's funny, it was a different audience. Yeah, it was a little flex there. Like Mm -hmm. I had this lady, uh, Jeannie, hit me up on Facebook because she saw my photo in the magazine. And so I sent her the file and she printed it out like this size. I know no one can see it. It's probably what? Five feet. I love that you just said this size. Yeah. No, no there's a, see. there's a painting behind that. Yeah, here's a bad radio beat. It, yeah. It's like, it's like the a whole... four foot by six foot painting. It's she... got
0: buildings. It's got a bridge back there. Yeah, London, yeah. um, <laughs> The London bridge, I believe. Uh,
1: anyway, this lady like prints it out. Just yeah. gigantic. And it was because of the magazine, like she was never going to find me on Instagram. So it was a unique reach, but it was nothing close to what social media
0: can do. And I guess her age was over 40.
1: Oh, Jeannie Bird. She's um, I think she's like 65, 70, maybe even older. Well, that's also
0: the audience, I would argue, of the orchos. Right. It is. It's not for yeah. the next generation anymore. Which I mean, not to be like too dark about it, but
1: that is dying out. Literally.
0: Yeah, literally. Yeah.
1: We love Jeannie. So I know I know you mentioned like those shows are dying out. I think their demographic is as well. But they're even growing like Jeannie hit me up on Facebook. So yes, Mm -hmm. she found me through the Westway magazine, but she hit me up on Facebook and
0: sent a message. Well yeah, she can't do carrier pigeon. And so that was really her only option. (laughs) But if you think about it like I agree. I don't think the concept of award shows is going anywhere. I just think the current medium and format, like you're asking, like is gone. I think it's just going to recreate itself into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, SNL should, I don't know if they have an Instagram, but I'm curious
1: how the Emmys could be done on Instagram. But live, live. isn't working either, though. Not even live, but
0: like through more digestible clips and just owning it. Yeah, but that's why House Party died. It wasn't a House Party. It was the latest app that tried to get really big, but then it was codependent on you being on it. At the same time as everyone else. Oh, like, it was
1: like Zoom for yeah, yeah,
0: whatever that. I think it was called House. Bar. What was it, House? I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: it was like a group. Live. Yeah, it was
0: like a group, like being a live room, and then Twitter Spaces kind of copied it, and then everybody else kind of copied it. My point being here is, live is hard. I don't think any anyone does live that well, other than sports, mm-hmm. because sports you have to see it live. Like, think about like even the way streaming's going it's not usually episode by episode anymore. They drop all 10 and you can binge them. Yeah. Like everything is on demand. Well, I think about the last live non-sports event. It would only be the award shows is pretty much all that's left. That and like shows once again, for an older generation, good morning America or whatever that is, but people don't consume non-sports content live anymore. Like they used to. And so to me, an award show would have to somehow take all that into account. I don't know what the future of them looks like, though. It's hard for me to imagine oh, an award show in a completely different body. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And for it to be like parallel to what it used to be like, I think Emmys could somehow have ongoing, like year round content that
0: feature. Yeah, but we'd rather get it from Spotify year in review, like you were talking about earlier. Like, I would rather just go through, like, this thing about Discovery. What's the best way to discover a new song now? People just have their Spotify year in review and be like, oh, I forgot. I haven't listened to, like, this band in forever. And then you kind of go back. Like, I feel like there's so many other ways we discover it now, or we go on a pitchfork, or we go on a Rotten Tomatoes. So we're losing a lot of reasons why they exist, and it's just a crazy to see that transition. Yeah. they're a little older. Do they
1: post, like, reaction videos of someone watching a movie? Yeah. And, like, that's their content to get that movie out there, someone
0: else's reaction to it. It might be. I just think we as marketers need to be constantly evolving. And I'm excited to see what the next version of social proof discovery and insurance looks like. No, it's good because I know we joked
1: about like, oh, Emmys, all these things dying out? Like we could fall into the same trap if we kept doing what we do today. That works today isn't going to work in the next decade. Oh, no. So it's good to learn from that.
0: Got to stay fresh. Got to stay fresh. Well, this has been an amazing episode, Brady. It's fun to hang out and connect and chat again i know we were off for a couple weeks y'all don't know that because we're gonna upload them all at one time <laughs> no, but uh it's nice this, to be back we do in this the every studio. day yeah yeah we do this every day it's every day <laughs> but nice to be back in the studio um we're gonna be keeping it consistent show's gonna be officially launching soon which is a, once again a completely irrelevant statement for you listening right now <laughs> but um thanks for tuning in don't forget to like uh five stars subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe maybe it helps us and uh tell all your friends and family. Thanks. See ya.